Hey there, future fans! Welcome! This is the second episode of 2018, and it's episode 73 of Future Flicks. Sorry this episode is coming out so late. I needed a couple mental health days. Nothing serious, just a little bit of depression creeping in, and I had to put a stop to that, and I did mostly. You know, I miss the show. I realized I do miss the show. So I decided a late show is better than no show. And if I don't release this super late and you're wondering why are you saying this, this was released on time, then yay, I did it. My hard work has paid off and my apology is not needed. Remember back in the day when Future Flex was released on Wednesdays? God, those were good days. Maybe I can get back to that. I will try. That is one of my New Year's resolutions. I will try. See, I'm not saying I will do it, because that is how one fails. You set goals that have these very black and white outcomes. But no, I will try to get better on releasing the show earlier. This I promise. Anyway, we have a lot of news, a few trailers, and some movies to boot this week. So let's get on with the show. This is The Week of January 12th, 2017, and this is episode 73 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Alright everyone, welcome to the show. Like I said, thank you very much for your patience if this is late, and once again, if it's not late, then go me, go team, we did it. Yeah, I've been I've been feeling down recently, and I wanted a day where I just did stuff that I used to do. So I hung out with a friend, we went and saw a movie, ate some food. I watched Insidious The Last Key, which sure, yeah, sure was a movie. <laughs> okay, it wasn't that bad. It, it, it's definitely the weakest in the series but it was still enjoyable, but only if you're a fan of the series. So if you watched one and two and you thought, okay, that was cool, not really my cup of tea, but it was just okay, then you probably might want to skip this one. If you're a fan of the series, then watch this one because you're a fan. Some of you may be sitting here or sitting there. You're not here. You're over there. Some of you may be sitting there wondering, who is this madman talking into this microphone? My name is Billiam. This is Future Flicks with Billiam. I am on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. I am a writer and a, of course, podcaster for the network. And let me tell you what it is I do here. On Future Flicks, I go over every movie that's coming out during the week. I give my thoughts on it. I tell you what it's about. I tell you who's in it. And then I give it a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, a.k.a. The Bill Score. The Bill Score goes from a zero for the really bad movies to an 11 for those movies that push it up that extra notch. I also throw in the news of the week, any new news I've noticed, and any trailers I've noticed. And as always, I also throw it out to you. Did I miss a trailer? Did I miss some news you think I should talk about? Let me know. 
And how do you contact me? Let's say I missed a story and you want to let me know going, hey, Billiam, you should cover this story because it's awesome or it's shitty and I want to hear your views. Let me know. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. Hit me up on Instagram at BilliamSWN. Just comment on a random pic. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can leave a comment on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. And how do you listen to the show? Well, you're already doing a good job because you're listening to my voice. You can also hear me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. And please, oh, please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave a five-star review and also leave a comment. I want to know. I want to be able to thank you on the show going, hey... You, with that username you have, thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the review. Because I have about five or six comments, I think, but I have more five-star reviews than that, and I would like to thank you. Like Honestly, it means a lot that people listen to the show and actually like it. And if you don't like the show, can you maybe please still give me five stars and then just take a huge dump all over me in the comments. Also known as a hate hug or an anger bang, depending on which other shows in the network or friends of the shows you listen to. But without further ado, let's jump into our first segment, which as always, is the news. A little known writer named Jack Schaefer, Jack spelled J-A-C, uh, she has been hired to write a Black Widow movie. No, not a movie about the interesting spider, a movie about the uninteresting and utterly boring MCU character. A character so boring and unimportant that she could be taken out of the series entirely and there would be almost no effect. They would have to find some other way to make the Hulk sleepy. Someone else would need to pick up Captain America's shield. And this makes me sad because I've read Black Widow comics. They are good. She has a good character. Just her portrayal in the MCU has been boring and useless. This news is brought to us by The Wrap. And Black Widow's boringness is brought to us by Scarlett Johansson. And you all know how I feel about her. Maybe one day she'll find a role again that will make her act and show us why she was once great. This next bit of news is brought to us by Variety. John Williams has signed on to write the score for Star Wars Episode Nine, surprising absolutely no one. Why even mention the story then? Because it was something Star Wars related. We actually have two Star Wars stories, one coming up later, later in the show or in this segment. In news from USA Today, we learn why it's so important to read an article before making up your mind, or even worse, posting to social media. You may have seen this story buzzing around for the past few days. It's been reported that Mark Wahlberg has made $1.5 million for reshooting all the money in the world, while his co-star Michelle Williams made less than $1,000. So quick backstory, something I've never mentioned on the show. If you remember the original trailer for All the Money in the World, it was Kevin Spacey playing the role of John Paul Getty. After all those allegations came out against Kevin Spacey, people began to worry, going, hmm, should we have Kevin Spacey in this movie that we sunk a lot of money into? Maybe not. So they decided to replace him, yes, after the movie was completed. They did reshoots with actor Christopher Plummer. This was easier, of course, since John Paul Getty Sr. wasn't the main character. The movie really focused on Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg's characters. So let's get back to the story. News agencies will have you believe that this is due to the gender wage gap. And while gender wage gaps do exist, 
this isn't one of those cases. If you read the article, if you actually read it, like I was all ready to be outraged. I was like, oh, I'm going to read this. I'm going to be f***ing outraged. Yeah, f gender inequality. Michelle Williams should, okay, maybe not get paid as much as Mark Wahlberg because he's a big actor and she's much smaller time. But the discrepancy shouldn't be that big. But after reading the article, you would see, like I saw, that... Michelle Williams and the director came back for free, or basically free in Michelle Williams' case, that they agreed to not take any more money for it, while Mark Wahlberg's agent got $1.5 million for him. So that's why there's such a big difference, why Michelle Williams made less than 1% of what Wahlberg got for the reshoots. There's no reason to protest, there's no big outrage needed, but there's going to be anyway, because these assholes USA Today and The Mirror and all these other f***ing news agencies are spreading the story with that title, making it seem like there is a gender wage gap, counting on that people will share this article and spread it around just because they're outraged. And this is why it is so important to read articles. But let's move on. Let's move on before I get any more heated. All right. So also in the news, this from Collider, a Kitty Pride movie is in development at Fox. Remember folks, even though this deal with Disney went through with air quotes, it still can't fully happen without congressional approval. Congress has to make sure nothing sketchy is happening and, th and that this isn't on its way to being a monopoly. So let's hope that this deal does go through, especially before this movie starts actual production, just to increase the chances of a better film. Fox has been getting a lot better recently, but they still can make sh**. News from GoNintendo.com says Nintendo's president is hoping to announce a Super Mario Bros. movie soon. So this kind of harkens back to what I was talking about a little earlier with the USA Today title or, or story, because I don't know if I screwed up. Because I have reported on a Super Mario Bros. movie already. I'm not sure if I just misread the article, but apparently nothing is actually happening yet. Nintendo's president is hoping to announce that the Super Mario Bros. movie will be happening soon. So some of you may have heard from me or others that this movie was a sure thing. Apparently it's not. They're still working it out. And finally in the news, I would like to thank Redditor Pardoner1. For bringing this to my attention by a way of post they made in our movies, Solo, a Star Wars story, is about four months away from release and there hasn't been a single trailer or teaser yet. So I did some research on this just because I hadn't even realized this. Okay, I thought Solo was going to be much later in the year, but I'm wrong. So an article I read by Express UK says that the movie is beginning reshoots. They asked the question, uh, if fans should be worried about this. But they also said, and I agree, that reshoots are normal, even this close to a movie's release. There was a rumored release date for a trailer that was supposed to be the 12th this week, but the director has said that it won't be the 12th, but there will be a trailer coming out soon. Chances are that he'll still change his mind, and so by the time you're hearing this episode, maybe the trailer has come out already. So maybe this story doesn't make any sense to you. But if the article from Express was to be believed, we don't know when it's going to happen. No idea. Well, that's it for the news. And let's take a little stroll. Come with me, will you? Into the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. 
All right, we got a trailer for Truth or Dare, right? I know, you're you're stoked. You're just as stoked as I am. You're like, F- yeah, Truth or Dare, where has this movie been my whole life? I've been dreaming of this film for eons now. No, it's okay, you haven't. I haven't. I just happened to see the trailer pop up on my YouTube feed. That is why I even noticed it. So just picture this as a reimagining of Ouija or Wish Upon. That's all it is, really. I'll go see this and I'll probably like it. I'm going to be honest, I like movies like this. These are horrors that are cheesy and very formulaic. But I like cheesy and formulaic. There are a million other movies like this, and the premises are just going to keep getting dumber and dumber as as more are released. You have to do what he says, no matter how it twists or spins you. Coming summer 2020. Bop it. If that becomes a movie, I want my share. Okay, I want my share of the money it makes. I will take 1%. Thank you. Why do I even mention that one? Because maybe you're like me and you love formulaic cheesy horror movies. Maybe that's it. Our next trailer is for a movie called Flower. Welcome to indie cinema's answer to the ensemble comedy. Okay, think a movie like The Big Sick, but not as good looking and more forcefully indie. You can tell this by the character designs, the dialogue, the look of the film, the way it's shot, the deadpan delivery on every f***ing joke, and that they're trying way too hard. The good news is is that this movie could be good, but I'm not holding my breath. The trailer makes us feel like contrived garbage. This film stars Zoe Deutsch and Adam Scott. It's about this girl who meets her new stepbrother who is a former drug addict, and he one day the kid sees this teacher that he accused of molestation, so they try and get back at the teacher or catch him in the act or something weird. All right, let, let's move on. We have a trailer for a movie called The Vanishing of Sydney Hall, and I'm going to use it to prove a point. This movie looks really good. It stars Logan Lerman, Ellie Fanning, Michelle Monaghan, Kyle Chandler, and Nathan Lane, and I can't f***ing wait for it. This is an indie film, but I'm not going to slap that label on it like I did for the last movie because, okay, you know, just watch a trailer. Watch a trailer for this movie, then watch a trailer for movies like Flower or Love Song or Lady Bird, and notice how this film differs. This trailer was just trying to show a good movie. The trailer for Flower, Love Song, Lady Bird, those movies are trailers that are purposefully made to be douchebag bait. And I think that can be only detrimental, only detrimental to a movie, because I had no interest in seeing Lady Bird. I know quite a few other people who had no interest in seeing Lady Bird because they saw the same things I did in the trailer. But it's supposed to be this fantastic film and a film critic friend of mine, that's right, I'm actually friends with a, well, a former film critic. He saw it and loved it, and I trust him. So a lot of these movies are trying their hardest to appeal to a certain type of person, this indie film lover, this tweed jacket wearing ass, but all they're doing is alienating people who aren't into movies like that. Let's talk a little bit actually about The Vanishing of Sydney Hall. This is about a young man named Sydney Hall who writes a book because it's just that easy. You, Sydney Hall. But seriously, he writes a book, it explodes, becomes a huge phenomenon, and he goes and disappears. And five years later, this guy decides to look for him to figure out what happened. So this is a mix of the story of Sydney Hall, played by Logan Lerman, and how he wrote the book, and how the book affected his life, 
And also, the guy looking for him, played by Kyle Chandler, and The Search for Sydney Hall. This movie looks really good. Cancer has a trailer, folks. That's right. Teen Titans Go to the Movies had its first trailer released. Teen Titans Go is such a shitty show that it should be stripped of the name and likeness of one of the best superhero groups of all time. The Teen Titans deserve a cartoon, but more like the ones they had in the past. You know, good ones. This abomination is for really little children or people who love stupid jokes. This movie looks awful. It's based on a terrible show. It is a film that shouldn't be viewed by anyone. Well, my future fans, that is it for the trailer trove for this episode. And as always, and like I said in the intro, did I miss any news stories or did I miss any trailers you think I should mention? Let me know in the comments, email me, tweet me, just get in contact with me. But before we go on our first break, let me talk about the swearity results or my swearity results from this last span of episodes. So like I mentioned before, I count my swears. I do. And I donate the money to the same charity that Watch Your Mouth does, because I think the swearity idea is a really good idea. Mind you, I don't donate nearly as much as they do because they have three of them and they make a point to swear, whereas I only really swear when I get animated on this show. Usually I do more episodes than Watch Your Mouth does because I don't take breaks like they do. But in this last span, in the last span of shows that they did their swearity for, I had a mix of being sick and I didn't do an episode when I went to visit somewhat nerdy radio, Nerds in Squared Circle, and Watch Your Mouth. So I didn't do an episode that week either, so I'm missing some episodes. So this swearity counter started with episode 64 and it ended with episode 72. And in that time, we have... Drumroll, please. Two hundred and fifty-seven swear words, which brings me to a total of twenty-five dollars and seventy cents. I asked Dan from Watch Your Mouth how much I swore on their show, and I apparently I owe five dollars and some change. Let's just round that change up to six dollars, and let's just round up the twenty-five point seven two, a total of thirty-two dollars. You know, it's not a lot, and I wish I could do more. But it's important to know that every little bit can help. There are a lot of great charities out there, just like this one, that can do a lot of good with what little you can give them. But that is it for the first part of this episode. From this episode on, all of the bleeps you hear will be going towards another charity, which I'll probably piggyback on Watch Your Mouth for that one too. Maybe one day I'll start picking my own. Maybe one day I will go to a charity that I have found and, and give to them. But for now, I'm going to piggyback off the Watch Mouth podcast because of all the work they do in researching a great charity. But geez, look at this. We're not even into the movies yet, and we're almost at the 20-minute mark. So let's just jump into the first break, and then we'll get into the movies, the question of the week, and wrap this up. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. 
And we're back. All right, let's jump into the first movie of the week, which is called A Demon Within. A mother and daughter move into a small town and find that there's more to the house they live in than meets the eye. A skeptical small town doctor is forced to confront his personal demons in order to save the life of the girl who has become possessed by an actual demon. This stars no one. No one of note is in this shitty flick. Not at all. N not a single human being. And there's not even anyone that looks interesting, not even anyone that looks like they could be good. It looks like all the actors in this got their acting training from porn school. Yes, porn school's a thing, don't give me that. Okay, it's not. But if there was, they would have gone there. This movie is a basic bitch. It is really bad. I truly believe that not even Trailer Guy could have done anything to entice anyone into this. Everything is basic, basic, basic. And the worst thing was, the trailer was really bad, too. It had awful sound effects. It had this epic choir in the background and all those kind of noises. You know, stuff that usually happens in a movie when something slows down. That kind of weird bass drop. It, it was just awful. Everything about this was awful. I'm done talking about this. A Demon Within gets a zero out of 11. All right, everyone, we have our first foreign film of the week. We have two this week, and the first one is a dual country movie between Portugal and Brazil. This is shot in Portuguese, and it's called Vazante. Set in Brazil in the 1800s, a rich cattle herder finds out that his wife has died in labor. He goes back to his home where his numerous slaves live and marries his wife's niece, which isn't creepy at all. He soon takes off and leaves his new wife on the property with all the slaves. Hilarity ensues. Okay, no, not at all. This this looks like a dark, depressing movie, and um, I, I don't want to see this. And it's not just a subject matter. Uh, I've watched movies about slavery, even though it boils my blood. Uh, I have watched them. It just this one feels forced. This one feels like one of those, you know, when you watch a comedy and they make fun of artsy foreign films, they have some film that's in black and white for some weird reason. They have a lot of people sp speaking very softly in a foreign language, in this case, Portuguese, and just shots of people looking very intense or something at the camera and nothing seems to make sense. That is why I gave the premise that I did. That is straight from IMDb because watching the trailer, I, I couldn't tell what it really was about. I could tell that this older man marries this young girl. She befriends the slaves or something. He leaves and the slaves try to escape. If you want a film that you can lord over your friends going, oh, I saw this. It's artsy as fuck. Look at me and how fancy I am. You can watch this. This is the perfect film for you. This is one of those films that hardly anyone's going to know about, and it's going to get a limited release because it's not going to do well in theaters. But if you have a super artsy or indie theater around you, you may have a good chance of seeing this. But for everyone else, pass on this. Even if you are the type of person who want to watch the douchiest or most obscure or most foreign movie you can, maybe there's something better to watch. This just doesn't look interesting. It looks too forced. I mean, go watch Mother instead and pretend you like it. Vazante. It's a 2 out of 11. All right, let's not waste any time. Let's go into the next film, which is the final foreign film of the week. And this is an animated movie called Condorito, the movie. Condorito embarks on a hilarious adventure to save the planet and his loved ones from an evil alien. 
Well, this is the best looking movie so far this week. Of course, it wasn't hard to beat the first two. The first two didn't even set the bar. They just kind of put it on the ground and walked away. But still, none of us should watch this unless we're really into Peruvian comics. That's right, folks. Condorito is a Peruvian comic about an anthropomorphic condor who lives in a Peruvian city and plays soccer and uh, loves this woman and the woman loves him back. But the woman's grandma or mother, one of the two, I, I don't know what it is, I don't speak Spanish, disapproves, so is always trying to hook the daughter up with someone else. But then the mother slash grandmother gets kidnapped. Oh no! By aliens! Oh, So, Condorito has to go save her. Even though he probably really doesn't want to, the woman he loves does. So that means he's going to do it. Even though this doesn't look bad, there's still no reason to see it. There's no reason to see this unless, like I already said, you're familiar with the character and you want to see a movie based on him. That's right, folks. Foreign films have the same question to answer that American films do. Is, is there any reason for you to see this in theaters or out of theaters? And even though I said it's the best looking movie of the week so far, it... it just didn't wow me at all and nothing about this said hey put effort into seeing this even if it was on streaming i wouldn't see it just because i don't care about this character and unfortunately that's just how i feel about it maybe maybe if one of you watch a trailer you'll go oh this looks interesting and i'll watch it probably not though I know I do have listeners in other countries, so if you're from Peru, you probably already know about this and you've already made up your mind so if you are familiar with the character why not why not see it? But if you're not, pass. Condorito the movie gets a 4 out of 11. Alright everyone, we have two movies before the break, and the next movie is, once again, the best looking movie of the week. See, we started out at the lowest point, and we're just getting better from here. Of course, all except for the pick, I put them in a random order that just happened to be like this. So maybe the next movies will be bouncing around a bit. We don't know. But this one looks a lot better than the previous ones. And this one is called Acts of Violence. A cop is working a human trafficking case, but is always one step behind the criminal. One day, a man's fiancée gets kidnapped and they take matters into their own hands with the help of the cop. This stars Bruce Willis from Moonlighting. Sean Ashmore from the X-Men series, Ashton Holmes from The Pacific, and Mike Epps from The Hangover. Whatever happened to Bruce Willis? Well, we know now, and we've actually known for quite a while. Bruce Willis hasn't been an A-rank celebrity for a while now. He can still do whatever he wants. Is there an action movie? Yeah, he can just show up and go, hi, I'm Bruce Willis, I want to be in this, and they'll be like, yeah, you're Bruce Willis. John McClane, come blow shit up. Hell, there's even going to be another Die Hard movie. And if I remember right, it's still going to be Die Hard Year One, which is going to be John McClane now, and then flashbacks to him when he's a rookie cop. But these days, Bruce Willis is just doing small-time action movies, and not even full-on action. This is an action in the way of Die Hards or some of Arnold's 80s movies, where there's more explosions. This is more action in the way of Heat, where there's just a lot of gun battles, which is still great. Nothing against that. Not at all. But what we have here is the classic case of a movie that should be seen just because it seems entertaining, but not in the theaters. This should be watched at home one day when you're just, you have a day off, you're, maybe your plans fell through, or you're just not feeling that well, you're sitting on your couch, it's raining, you order in, you get some Chinese food, you get some pizza, you get some wings or something, and you're just flipping through the channels or through Netflix or Hulu going, what should I watch? And then acts of violence comes on. You're like, oh yes, I heard Billiam talking about this. 
It does seem interesting. I'll watch it. And you know what? You'll probably enjoy it. But you'll also go, you know what? I'm glad. I am glad I didn't try to see this in the theaters because it really wasn't worth it. I'm glad I watched it now, but I didn't miss anything by waiting. When you see this movie, you're going to watch a film that's, you know, I'm going to say the word again, and this may be the word of the episode, basic. Just imagine if four brothers and Taken had a baby and you just made it a little less epic than it probably should be. That's this movie. It's mostly going to revolve around the the fiancé and his family trying to get the kidnapped woman back, but also have Bruce Willis coming in going, Hey, I'm Bruce Willis, and I shoot bad guys in the face for a living. You're welcome. But remember, when whenever I use words like that or talk about something being basic or run-of-the-mill, always pay attention to the context. Always really listen to what I'm saying, because in this case, basic isn't bad. I mean, it could be a lot better, but it's not bad. In the case of the movie from earlier, it was bad. A movie needs something else to offer to offset any basicness. This movie offers that. The others didn't. Acts of Violence gets a 6 out of 11. All right, everyone, it's time for the final movie before the break and the final break. And that movie is called Paddington 2. Paddington sees a book that he wants to buy as a gift for Aunt Lucy. She has never been to London, and this pop-up book of London he thinks is the perfect gift for her. The problem is, the book gets stolen before he can buy it. He tries to track down the thief, but gets caught in the process, and the cops think he is the one who took it. Not only must he get out of jail, but he must find the real culprit, and he does so with the help of the Brown family. This features the voices of Ben Wishaw, who was Q in Skyfall, Michael Gambon, who was Dumbledore in Harry Potter, and Imelda Staunton, who was Dolores Umbridge in Harry Potter. Yay, Umbridge is back! But this time not a venomous bitch. This movie has live actors too. It has Sally Hawkins from The Shape of Water, Hugh Bonneville from Downton Abbey, and Julie Walters from Harry Potter. She played Molly Weasley, so a lot of Harry Potter people in this. If you remember, I once referred to Paddington as terrifying, because when the first movie came out, I thought he looked terrifying. Future Flicks wasn't around when the first Paddington came out, but I remember there was a re-release or something, and I and I talked about how the character looked awful. Well, that's because I hadn't seen the movie at the time, and I have since seen the first Paddington movie, and it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be utter garbage, and it turned out to be quite good, and frankly, this one looks better. So in this film, we also have someone I don't know why I didn't mention earlier. We have Hugh Grant. Of course, for movies like Notting Hill, he was also in, more notably, Love Actually, and recently, Florence Foster Jenkins and The Man from Uncle. All right. Okay, The Man from Uncle may not be recent. That movie is already two going on three years old. But anyway, Hugh Grant, you know him. So Hugh Grant plays this washed up actor. And I usually at this point would have made a mean joke saying, oh, he knows how to play wash up actor. But looking at his IMDb page, he's consistently worked. Maybe not always in big budget films as the last big film he was in was Man from Uncle. But, you know, he, he's been he keeps working. So good for him. Anyway, he plays this wash up actor who Paddington tells about the pop up book. And they don't even pretend to beat around the bush in the trailer. They straight up tell you it is this guy who steals the book. Because somehow it's supposed to make him famous again or get him rich again or some something weird like that. But anyway, he steals it. So Paddington needs to get it back from him with the help of the Browns. And that's the entire movie. If you want a family film, this is what you watch. 
And it wouldn't be that hard to find the first Paddington movie and watch it with your family if you haven't seen it before. If you have, then this is the perfect choice for you. Of course, if you don't have kids, maybe you want to watch this anyway. But if you don't have kids, then there's no real reason to watch it in the theater. When you have children, things change. And I, I don't speak from experience as Anne and I don't have any kids yet, but I do know quite a few people with kids. And they go to movies that normally they would never see, even though they do like animated films and other kids' films too. So if you have kids, check this out. This could be the movie you see in theaters. You take them out for a nice day. Take them to see this movie. If you don't have kids, you can wait. This is going to be a good movie. This is going to be just as good at home. Paddington 2 gets an 8.5 out of 11. And with that, my future fans, it is time for our final break before we come back with the final three movies and one and one nod, a special nod to a re-release that's coming out. Stay tuned. Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds in a Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds in a Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Before we get into the final three movies, we had a film that got a limited release this week. It's already passed. Even if I release the episode on Friday, which now, looking at the time, I won't get to do, uh, but it would have passed already, and that was The Room. It got a theatrical re-release on the 10th, Depending on how well it does, they may do other screenings as it was a Fathom event. And we all know that if Fathom events do really well, they just throw extra screenings out there for you. But if they do, I would highly suggest asking yourself a question before you go see it. Do you want to watch the modern Rocky Horror? And why do I say that? That's because that is what showings of this movie have turned into. Rocky Horror is famous for their showings where people dress up like characters and quote the film and get all rowdy during the showings. The Room is the same thing. Bunch of people acting with the show, saying lines, screaming, dancing around. Well, not dancing, maybe dancing, I don't know. Jumping around, bringing props, dressing like the characters. So if you want to go to an event, then go to this, if it comes out again, because it will. Whether it be a midnight movie in a big city near you, or the Fathom events choose to redo it, this is always an event movie. All right, let's jump into the next movie on the list, which is called... Proud Mary. Mary is a hit woman working for a prominent crime family. 
She is the best at what she does, but one day a hit goes wrong and she starts looking after a young boy. This stars Tara G. P. Henson from Hidden Figures, Billy Brown from How to Get Away with Murder, Neil McDonald from Legends of Tomorrow, and Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon. Alright, do you remember that movie Jackie Brown? Of course you do! Now imagine if Jackie Brown had a little more in common with John Wick. But not on the same level as epic as John Wick. Close though, but not quite there. And nothing against Proud Mary, but John Wick is a f***ing monster badass. And Proud Mary just looks to be a badass. They could both probably kill someone just as dead, but I'm pretty sure only John Wick could take out an entire gang. But this movie looks good. Because that's the ultimate question, isn't it? That's why you listen to the show. What's coming out? What looks good? And this looks good. It looks like a good action movie. It looks better than the last action movie we talked about. Not that act of violence looked bad, just this looks better. If you had asked me who I wanted to be an action star, I wouldn't really have picked Tara G. P. Henson. I just wouldn't have. I would have picked her for a million other roles, just not this one. But I'm glad I was not in charge of this because she looks fantastic in it. This movie looks good. It also looks very familiar. But then again, with movies like this, does that matter to you? Because it shouldn't. And if it does, then you probably don't like movies like this at all. Because all action movies of this sort, following around some assassin who either has to clear their name, kill everyone coming after them, or find out who's trying to frame them, anything like that, is going to be a similar movie. But that does not mean this is going to be a carbon copy of movies before it. It just means that the formula they use is going to be similar. That is not necessarily a bad thing, because we don't watch these movies for the intricate stories. I mean, we got really lucky with John Wick, and we had a really good story, uh, okay, a basic story, mind you, or a revenge story, in this wonderful world the writer created. Like, all that shit with the gold coins and the hotel that caters especially to assassins and that whole world and all their rules was amazing. We got really spoiled. This movie just looks cool. It looks fun. It looks really enjoyable. It has good actors in it. I, I like Tara G. P. Henson a lot. I love Neil McDonald. And of course, the legend Danny Glover. This movie has a little bit of everything. And this is the first one that could be worthy of a theater watch, depending on how you feel about the next two movies. Remember, Paddington 2 was worth a watch, but mainly if you have a family. Otherwise, it's worth a watch at home. This one could be worth it, because we have one more action movie for the week, and then we have the pick of the week. These last three movies, I would see in theaters. Like, if the pick of the week hadn't come out, it would have been tough between Proud Mary and the next movie. It would have been really tough, but the final movie I'm going to talk about really took it up that extra notch and made me really want to see it. Proud Mary, though, if you see this, which I think you should, but probably at home, unless something about this resonates with you, it's not going to be a visual feast. This isn't going to be a great movie for the theaters. It's going to be fine. It'll be great to watch, but you won't be missing out. That is the important part. If you save this for home, you won't be missing out. I think you should put this on your list if you like action movies. If you don't, then you probably already know the pick and you probably already want to see it. But for the rest of us, we can check this out. We can put this on our to-be-watched list and then proceed to watch it one day. Maybe not this week, though. Proud Mary gets an 8.5 out of 11. And with that, we have two movies left, and I already told you the next movie is going to be an action movie, so let's go right on ahead and talk about The Commuter. 
every day Michael goes to work, he goes by train because he gets to because he lives in a city that has trains. If my nerdy ass wants to get on a train, I have to go to one of my local state parks and just take this train up the hill and then back down and that's it. But this mother gets to take a train every day. Anyway, one day a woman approaches him and tells him that there's a lot of money stashed on the train. Yay! A ton of money, but there's a catch as always. He has to find a person who is a criminal, a person that has killed people, and he must kill that person. If he kills this person, the money is his. If he doesn't do it, he can walk away and not take the money, and it'd be all fine. But he needs to make a decision. This stars Liam Neeson from Taken, Vera Farminga from The Conjuring, Patrick Wilson from The Conjuring, Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad, Sam Neill from Jurassic Park, and Elizabeth McGovern from Downton Abbey. Liam f***ing Neeson. I know it's low-hanging fruit, but I'm going to make the joke anyway. Tons of people have already made it, but you know what? I'm going to say it. This guy cannot get from point A to point B. Something is going to happen. What was that plane one he did non-stop? He can't even keep a hold of his daughter very well. Or his wife, for that matter. But the one thing he can do is kill people. He can do that really well because he's Liam Neeson and he's a badass. You've all seen that meme, right? Where it's, you don't want to f*** with Liam Neeson because he... He trained Batman, he trained Obi-Wan, and... Oh, shit, what was the other one? Oh, he trained someone else. Okay, whatever, I'm bored already. My attention span is waning at this point. But yes, he is a certifiable badass. So this woman's like, hey, kill this person. He's bad. There's a shit ton of cash in it for you. Liam Neeson's like, aight. But you know what? I really doubt that's all there is to this movie. Something tells me. Something tells me that there's something else hidden. Maybe... She's an assassin and she gets other people to kill people for her. She just gives a little bit of what she gets for the hit as an incentive. Maybe that's how it works. Maybe it's black ops CIA and that's how the CIA stays out of it. Because they're not supposed to work on American soil. Actually, I don't even know if this movie takes place in America. Let's, let's see if I can find it. Well, I can't find solid proof, but it says that it was filmed in Sacramento. So maybe it's America. Who knows? Anyway, once again... Once again, everyone, we have a very familiar plot. We have a very familiar looking movie. And it all comes down to the fact and the question, actually, do you want to see another movie like this? This movie is kind of like the love child between Source Code and Taken. Or maybe better yet, Murder on the Orient Express or Taken. But there, there's not a mystery. Okay. Now, you know, I kind of fell short on that one. And I am sorry. I apologize that my comparison game was not on point, as the kids say. But I think this looks good. It looks entertaining. It's not the pick of the week for obvious reasons. It just doesn't have that factor that makes me need to see it. But I want to see it. I will watch it one day, but nothing makes me go, yeah, I gotta see this one now. Good actors, familiar plot, but a reliable plot. The Commuter gets an 8 out of 11. And with that, we jump into the final movie of the week, which is the pick of the week. And if you've been following along at home, you may realize what movie that is. That movie is called The Post. This is a Steven Spielberg film about the Pentagon Papers and the Washington Post. They had evidence of a massive cover-up about the Vietnam War and had an article they are going to publish, but not without the government trying to get in the way. 
This stars Meryl Streep from The Daredevil Wears Prada, Tom Hanks from The Burbs, Sarah Paulson from American Horror Story, Bob Odenkirk from Breaking Bad, Bradley Whitford from The West Wing, Bruce Greenwood from Star Trek, Matthew Reese from The Americans, Alison Brie from Glow, Jesse Plemons from Fargo, the TV show, and David Cross from Arrested Development. Jesus Christ, everyone is in this. And quite a few comedians, too. Well, maybe not comedians, per se, but comedic actors. If you join tell me Saul is in comic relief on Breaking Bad, I will fight you. Anyway, this movie has been talked about for a while, ever since Steven Spielberg was attached to it. Or, I don't know if he was actually attached or if it was his project from the beginning. But either way, ever since this came up, I was into it. Types of movies like this have been around for a while, but it's kind of something we're noticing a lot more ever since The Big Short and Spotlight came out. Movies based on real events involving journalism and uncovering these horrible crimes, and then having something or someone try and stop them from publishing. Okay, Big Short, a little different, but it, you get what I'm saying when I put that in that list. Once again, we have a political intrigue movie as the pick of the week. Before it was Molly's Game, now it's this one, and there's something about this type of season. There's also something about this type of season about horror movies, and I have a little thing Roz wrote for me to read on the show later but for now let's talk about the post and how yeah i don't i don't care there's not really a seasonal aspect to films like this just like action movies or anything like that so yeah i'll watch this now why not but this is also the type of movie depending on how political you are or how just a lot of your social standpoint based solely on that you could get really angry at this movie going look at what our government did look at what these assholes did and then it may make you think more about our current political situation. And even if you like, even if you like Donald Trump, maybe you didn't like Obama. Maybe you didn't like George Bush. Maybe you didn't like Clinton. So on and so forth. There's someone in your lifetime you've been like, F that guy. Not my president. And maybe this movie will bring up those feelings again. Going, oh, look. Look at what this ass did. F these people. And maybe that, if you are that type of person, maybe that will spark you to see this even more. But for me, I just want to see a good movie. And I love movies like this. Though you may notice I say that a lot because I like a lot of different types of movies. Horror is my jam. Comedy is my jam. Action movies are my jam. Sports flicks, war flicks, musicals, and movies like The Post. With Steven Spielberg at the helm, we know it's going to be good. Even his worst movie is still enjoyable. He really doesn't have any movie that's totally panned. He has movies that critics haven't liked, but people have liked. And remember, we focus on people here, not heartless critics. But this looks like the next big one. This looks like the next one that could be up for Oscars or Golden Globes. This looks like the farthest thing from a Razzie contender. But all of that being said, if you don't like biographical movies, if you don't like historical movies, then you won't like this movie. And that's just a shame because I think it's going to be great. But hey, if you don't like it, you do not like it then maybe you might see The Commuter or you might see Proud Mary or another film or maybe you just skip it this week. Who knows? But for me, this is the one I am excited for. I want to see what these people went through. I want to see Meryl Streep's character and Tom Hanks's character going into this and everyone else involved actually going into this knowing this could destroy them. I mean, no matter how bad America gets, 
no matter how bad it's been. We have never been one of those countries, at least overtly, <laughs> where if you speak out against a the government, they're going to kill you or do something like that. But still, these people didn't know what was going to happen to them. There could have been real laws somewhere that they were breaking, maybe that they didn't know about, some super obscure laws that the government would just, or the White House would just pull up and go, oh, guess what? This old law from 1776, you didn't know it existed. F*** you. Go to jail. But they had to tell the truth. And I want to see this film because I want to see that struggle and I want to see the ultimate decision of them going, no, we have to do this no matter the cost. Because it is our job, it is our duty to spread the truth and everyone has to know about this. That is what I want to see. And that is why The Post gets a 10 out of 11. So before we get into the question of the week and wrap this up, I asked Roz from Somewhat Nerdy and Roz's Midnight Macabre, I asked him what his opinion was on the fact that the beginning of the year gets so many horror movies and that for the past few years, we haven't had many horror movies around Halloween. And this is what he had to say. So coming into 2017, we seem to have more horror releases at the beginning of the year than we have had for quite a long time. If you're wondering why that is, then I have an answer for you. The answer is simple, really. In the second half of 2017, something happened. The horror genre popularity was soaring, and once again, we saw horror enter back into the mainstream. In my opinion, the reason why this happened was because of two things. One being the continued success of the hit show Stranger Things, and secondly, the massively record-breaking success of the reboot of Stephen King's It. And I personally may add Get Out to that. Even though Brian Q doesn't think I should add Get Out to a horror list. Huh, Brian Q? <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Let's continue what Roz says. Once again, horror is hot. And as with anything that becomes popular, you will see an abundance of releases and companies will try to cash in and ride the wave of this popularity. And yeah, I can see that. I can see why that is the case. Because they want to cash in as quick as they can. Because what if... What if horror, being a mainstream genre once again, falters by the time Halloween comes around next? So maybe the previous years haven't had a lot of releases around Halloween because, guess what? Not a big genre. Last year changed all that. And so now we have companies going, ooh, now. Let's do this now. Though it still makes me wonder why Insidious The Last Key was released because that is an already established movie series from Bloomhouse a very established movie producing company. That one still confuses me. The others, I see Roz's point. Thank you, Roz. Always, 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 please check the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of Roz's posts. If there's a new horror movie, he is going to talk about it before me. He hits every horror movie, even things that slip through the cracks and doesn't make it on future flicks. So if you love horror, you'll love what he does. But with that, let's jump into the question of the week, and I'm not going to read the answers for the previous two weeks question because I am almost done with the 2017 year in review, also known as the second annual Future Flicks Awards. I am almost done, so I'm going to talk about those answers then. And instead, I'm just going to pose a new question. And it's the same question I posed at the beginning of 2017, just the year has changed. What movie are you looking forward to the most this year? Once again... What movie are you looking forward to the most? Is it The Predator, Incredibles 2, Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Black Panther, Tomb Raider, Solo? Let me know. All right, everyone, with that, it is time to wrap this episode up. And thank you, as always, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate the support. And here we go. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, 
Google Play, and any podcast listening app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars or a like or whatever it is the way you listen to me allows. You can also share the podcast. Word of mouth, that is how we grow. Please leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. How do you reach me? Guess what? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Also the Watch Your Mouth podcast, a great friend of the show. And don't forget to check out Big D Movie Hunter on YouTube. Also check out the Someone Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news and everything Roz posts. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.